0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson. Tonight it is September 27th of 2012, Thursday. And our guest tonight is Jennifer Kirshner of the Baltimore Student Harm Reduction Coalition. Before we start the show, I'm going to do a little blurb for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge, lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. And our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol, it's available from Amazon. For more information, go to hamsnetwork.org. book Our guest tonight, Jennifer Kirshner, is here with us right now. We're going to bring her on. Jennifer, how are you doing this evening?
1: Hi, I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's great to have you on the show. I thought this was a very innovative thing when I saw it on the uh, Internet, a a student harm reduction coalition. So tell me a little bit, what is the Baltimore Student Harm Reduction Coalition?
1: Okay, um, so before I get into what exactly um, Baltimore Student Harm Reduction Coalition, or BSHRC as we um, tend to call ourselves, I just want to back up and talk a little bit about Baltimore and what led to us being created. So, you know, Baltimore is notorious for being a high crime city with an opiate problem, and really the facts back this up. Um, Overdose is the leading cause of death in this city, even higher than homicide. Um, In 2006, the death rate here from drug overdose was more than three times higher than the national average. We also have one of the highest rates of HIV infection in the country. And this number is increasing, you know, particularly in the black community and among uh, men who have sex with men. So those of us who started the group were aware of these facts, and but we were dissatisfied with the opportunities or rather the lack of opportunities in our schools and programs to learn more about these issues and really engage with the community we experienced a a lack of commitment by universities in Baltimore to address what we saw were crises happening in our own backyard. And we formed to kind of do something about that. So um, we had our first meeting in January of 2011, and this was attended mostly by public health nursing and pre-medical students from Johns Hopkins um, and from Goucher college. um, Our members came to the group with diverse experiences. Um, Some had recently attended the National Harm Reduction Conference in Austin, and they were, you know, very inspired by what they heard here. Others had done research or outreach with drug users and sex workers before they moved to Baltimore. Um, And a few were already volunteering on the city's needle exchange van. But what, what we all kind of envisioned was, a world in which harm reduction is a foundational principle in improving health outcomes and informing public policy.
0: Okay, are you uh, centered in just one specific university or are you in multiple universities?
1: We we are purposefully a community-wide group. We don't want to be reliant or um, solely associated with one university. We do have the largest presence, I would say, at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. We, um, we have a, what we call a chapter there so that we're part of their student assembly and do receive just a, a very, very small amount of funding through that. And we, um, our other contingent is at University of Maryland School of Medicine. But, but this year in particular, we're really trying to expand to get into universities and programs throughout the city.
0: So at Johns Hopkins, uh, you're a, an official student organization. Is that correct?
1: That is. We kind of w- what um, for the future. What we hope to be like is a community-wide organization who has maybe chapters at the different universities or mm-hmm, schools mm-hmm. across the city um, and have liaisons come back uh, similar to the Students for Sensible Drug Policy model. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, or or normal does the same model, I think. Okay. Hmm, all right, yeah and students for sensible drug policy yeah we had uh we interviewed someone from uh s students for Sensible drug policy uh about a year ago, so yeah we're familiar with their model um so i uh, I wanted to ask uh how does the faculty react are, are the are there faculty members who are supportive of what you're doing
1: We have had a lot of support from faculty members and researchers um, that we have come across. Um, We've been very fortunate that our advisor um, comes from Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, um, Dr. Susan Sherman. And she's really been integral to the success of the group. And she's, you know, so well-connected and willing to, you know, hook us up with anyone in Baltimore organizations or individuals who we might learn from or partner with. And just in general, the people we've, the, the individual faculty we've come across are, are really excited kind of about this, what you call new innovative group that's, that's forming and expanding in Baltimore.
0: So do you, uh, do you work with existing harm reduction agencies in Baltimore? Do you connect volunteers with them or how does that work?
1: Okay. So let me talk a little bit about the mission of BSHRC. It's twofold. So on the one hand, we aim to raise awareness about and advocate for harm reduction principles. And to this end, we plan and host educational events and initiate campaigns at local universities. We want everyone studying in Baltimore, you know, for example, to be familiar with syringe exchange with overdose prevention with HIV and STI testing, and to know that these things are safe and that they work. And we believe that educating and engaging students now can help them become knowledgeable, compassionate service providers later. The the other piece of what we do is what we strive to connect students and alumni from health and social services fields with professionals, community organizations, and research opportunities in the Baltimore area. So even though there's a, there's a great need, we feel that there's not enough incentive for students and recent graduates to stay in Baltimore. And by serving as a conduit for community involvement advocacy, we, we hope to partially remedy this discrepancy.
0: Okay. Um, so you train health workers. Do you train uh, future addictions counselors and those types of people, too? Would you get them involved?
1: we're We are open to reaching everyone that we can. You know we tend to be in um, the public health, nursing, medical schools we're We're really looking to get um, into the social work programs and the law schools um, pharmacy education. Um, So, some of these people, you know, hopefully will be going on to become addiction counselors. Um, Some of them are psychiatrists specializing in addiction or preventive medicine specialists.
0: Yeah, psychology and social work departments seem like a really good place that you could uh, talk uh, talk to people about some of these things. And, you know... uh, Mm -hmm. There's some people, um, we've had them as guests on the show, that have developed a lot of harm reduction psychotherapy interventions like uh, Andrew Tatarsky and Pat Denning, and they have some really good models that uh, can be integrated into psychology programs. I know I've been studying at the new school on and off. I'm going to finish my master's in psych pretty soon there, I hope.
1: Oh, congrats. Uh,
0: well, I'm re-enrolling. <laughs> I took about two years off because I was writing my book. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to re-enroll and finish like those last two classes that are left. But it's very receptive to uh, harm reduction ideas. In fact, I've, I've spoken there about our alcohol harm reduction program in the past um, because they're very interested in harm reduction ideas there. And I hear many other universities are opening up and getting interested. I talked to uh, Lala Strassner at NYU Department of Social Work. We interviewed her recently on the show, and she's also very interested in hearing about harm reduction ideas, and her students are very interested in talking about them. So it seems like the the students in schools of social work and in the psychology departments are really open to uh, incorporating harm reduction ideas into uh, the things that they're learning now.
1: Right. You know, and they might be open to it, but, you know, from what we've noticed, um, they don't, they, a lot of them don't know about it, haven't heard about harm reduction or haven't heard of it referred to as that way or that it's not being taught in a lot of schools and um, frankly we find that unacceptable and we hope that there is you know coursework coming out um, or becoming mandatory so that when students are graduating they do have these um, harm reduction tools under their belt when they're working with you know clients and community members.
0: Well, I know in our classes uh, in substance abuse counseling at the new school, it's uh, very much a part of what's discussed in the classes, and the the, mm-hmm. the faculty are very much aware of it, and they bring it in, and students, you know, students are aware of it too. You know, sometimes the students are, you know, get, kind of get one side and the other, and then they, but they talk it out, and it's getting much more. Uh, You know, there's much less butting of heads than there used to be, and there's much more mutual Mm -hmm. acceptance that I think. That was my experience. That's what I witnessed. Well, I don't want (laughs) to take the whole show away from you. that's in
1: New York City, right?
0: That's in New York City, yes.
1: So I think that shows the difference between New York City and Baltimore. I mean, New York City is is one of the pioneers in harm reduction programs and education. I mean, their overdose prevention and response, the resources that they have available and make available to communities are just um, what I consider to be light years ahead of where uh, this city is currently at.
0: But it's being done here, so it can be done there, too. You know, sometimes it takes well, yeah, a little... Yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's a time lag when these ideas propagate out, but they do propagate and they do take hold because they are effective and they are actually essential.
1: Yes, we agree. <laughs> totally.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, can, you, can your organization do needle exchange in Baltimore? Or what are the regulations? Because... Every state and every city has different regulations on needle exchange.
1: Right. So Maryland law stipulates that only the Baltimore City Health Department can provide harm reduction services like needle exchange and overdose response training. So um, legally, nobody um, except for those determined by the city um, are allowed to hand out clean syringes, are allowed to train um, persons on how to respond to an overdose um, or get get Naloxone for preventative purposes.
0: Uh, But do students volunteer with the city in in providing these services? Can they be volunteers? They do.
1: Yes, so many members of our group actually are volunteers on the needle exchange vans. Um, Right now, their sign-ups are actually full through February because they do have um, an overwhelming response of students wanting to get involved. Um, and that's something that our group can help connect people with um, if they are interested in that type of opportunity.
0: Now, I understood that you did uh, outreach with sex workers, too. Um, how does that work?
1: We don't directly ourselves do outreach. Outreach with sex workers, but that's one of the issues that um, our group is is um, knows that people in Baltimore need to be educated about and a and a high risk group in the area. So, if, for example, there is um, a community organization called Power Inside who are doing some great work with um, sex workers in the area, both in a, an area called the Block, which is uh, sort of similar to the red light district. Um, and also uh, transgender sex workers who many of them are on the streets in Baltimore, and they do a lot of outreach um, with them. And we we brought uh, the executive director into the school to give a talk kind of about that. And uh, we also are connected with researchers who are looking at um, what problems are currently facing that population and, and potential strategies and Um, programs that might be put into effect to minimize, you know, risk and danger to that group.
0: Now, how did this organization, uh, BSHRC, how did it come about? Who started it?
1: So, as I said before, it was kind of a diverse group of students um, from several schools across who were inspired, you know, by what they already knew or had done the work before, um, and we, you know, we just formed this meeting, and we talked a little bit about what we were interested in, what we could do. We we found the our faculty advisor um, at the time and just started putting on events and getting our name out there, creating a social media presence. And, you know, we're going to be going on two years, and we, we could say we've had a lot of Um, accomplishments, we've been focused on small victories on getting our name out. And, um, you know, one big thing that came about is in the beginning of the summer, we received a, um, generous two-year grant from the Open Society Institute, and that enabled us to fund a full-time staff person so that we can more effectively expand and sustain our efforts, um. We are not a 501C3, so we we partnered up and became a program with Fusion Partnerships. They're our fiscal sponsor. They kind of uh, take care of our accounting, uh, any legal issues that might arise, but we're still very volunteer-driven, student-driven. We like to focus on whatever is of interest to um, the members that are involved or what we think that um, the community, the communities that we target can most benefit from.
0: Now you mentioned earlier the conference uh National Harm Reduction Conference in Austin, Texas in 2010 were there a lot of students mm-hmm. from Baltimore that uh, attended that conference?
1: Um you know I really can't speak to that I can only know the the few people I know who attended but um they you know they said it was great and really powerful and and actually we are going to be present at the upcoming conference in Portland this November. We, um, we're we going to be presenting a panel. It's going to talk a bit about our group history and provide some grassroots organizing tips for others so they can establish their own harm reduction coalition in their schools and communities.
0: Well, I will be at the Portland conference, too, so I expect I will be seeing you there in person.
1: Oh, wonderful. <laughs> How exciting. Yes, yeah, I mean, we're really excited. We we wish it happened every year, but you know, we'll take every two years. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was at the one in Austin too. So I, I, was wondering if the if the Austin conference got a lot of energy going and kind of put some impetus to getting this organization started. It did. Okay, that's good.
1: It did. Yeah, you know, some of the uh, people we know came back. Particularly um, one member who was then at the School of Public Health, and the other was at Johns Hopkins School of Sing. Um they were really foundational in getting this group together. And they even applied for and received um, a Schweitzer Fellowship, and that was to expand health insurance sign-ups uh, for needle exchange clients in Baltimore. So, you know, I-, I think it was the fervor built from that conference and from the powerful, you know, speakers and workshops there that, that. They thought, you know, we could do this too. We can bring this back to Baltimore, and we can get something really good and innovative going.
0: Yeah, that was that. Was, I remember that conference was where Sonia Sohn was there as the as the special guest, and they did some things about the wire. That's that's Baltimore, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that is Baltimore. That's kind of um, a lot of people's introduction to Baltimore, um, and that I think that has its ups and downs um, in. in in the light that it it painted. And at least it gets people realizing that, you know, we do have these issues here, but uh, we want people to get involved and, you know, really come to understand what's going on and, and be be part of the solution.
0: Well, I have to, as I've talked about many times on the show, television is my biggest addiction, so I gave it up uh, like in 1980. So I don't have any mm-hmm. personal familiarity with that with that show, but I did uh, remember that she was a the guest there, and they were talking about my my knowledge of Baltimore comes from John Waters, actually. But let's not go down okay. a side track. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. I guess you said you've been involved with a lot of events. Can you talk about some of the specific events that uh, the Baltimore Student Harm Reduction Coalition has been involved with?
1: Sure. So I think one of our, our biggest projects to date um, had to do with the mobilization for economic justice and human rights that happened during the International AIDS Conference. Um, one of our members, Natanya Rubinowitz, was really integral in mobilizing Baltimore and bringing that all together and through that we were we were able to make a lot of community partnerships and collaborate with individuals and organizations that we either previously didn't know about or didn't have um, an in with before and it was just you know really great and now these community groups who do HIV, AIDS, education, and outreach, um, some of them, uh, Women Accepting Responsibility, Lifelink, Connect to Protect, um, and, and Movable Feast. They were just, you know, crucial partners in getting this off the ground. we we filled four buses to bring community members down to DC we had a bunch of students meet us we had some great poster making parties and our you know pictures of us in our t-shirts and with our posters are now splashed across the the web and it was just you know it was a really great time for everyone who was involved and it it really just it reenergized us as a group and i think it i think it energized um our community members and the people know that. And we are really hoping to continue those partnerships in the future with future um, volunteer efforts and and opportunities and community service days with those organizations.
0: Yeah, I did not make it uh, to that conference, um, but I heard a lot about it. There was a lot I remember about they didn't want – if I recall, they didn't want uh, sex workers or drug users to come from abroad to uh, be represented.
1: Well, you know what, Ken? It's not that they didn't want them. It's that it's currently illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that it was hosted in the U.S. for the first time is because the ban was lifted um, for HIV-positive people to enter the U.S., but still people with um, drug convictions um, or uh Uh, who have been arrested for sex work are are not allowed in. And um, that was a huge part of the mobilization of the conference that you really can't talk about drugs and sex without having drug users and sex workers present.
0: Well, that would seem kind of obvious, but it's like our, our government doesn't seem to get it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's very sad. It's, it's, that's something we're aware of, and you know, we hope that we hope the legislation changes soon. You know.
0: Well, are there any other so events? Well, go, go ahead if you got something. Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say some of the other things we've done. I mean, in the beginning, we we tried to do what you know what was in our capacity. So bringing you know film screenings and speakers into the school, we we were able to cover a range wide range of topics so far from safety planning for victims of intimate partner violence and reducing gun violence among youth in Baltimore to prisoner health and healthcare reform to current research on HIV, sex work, and drug use. So we kind of want to appeal to a wide range of students. Whatever can bring them in to um, the harm reduction field to get them to connect with harm reduction principles, to want to learn more, to be involved. We really, we really try to go across the board and, and appeal to to everyone's passions. And so, for the future, again, we're gonna we have a. Um, our big fall event. Um, this is an annual thing. Um, unfortunately, we have not confirmed the speaker at this time, but that will take place in early November. Um, we're we're really hoping to connect further with um, the National Harm Reduction Coalition. We've been in talks with them for them to come down, lead some trainings. So we're you know we're we're considering doing a provider education piece in the um, nursing and medical schools. Um About things like um, opioid overdose prevention, uh, let them know about naloxone, uh, reducing stigma, LGBTQ health and and how that can relate to harm reduction. Um, so those are some of the things in our horizon. We're also again looking to bring films into the area um, and just really reaching out to community to community organizations to schools, to expand our reach, to to increase our presence in the community and, and build trust because that's really essential if we're going to get anything done is to have these horizontal partnerships. So that's what the, the near future holds for, for BSHRC.
0: Okay. Have you uh, had any opposition? Have you had any battles that you've had to fight while you were putting the good word out?
1: Um, our battles have not been about the topic of harm reduction. Um people uh generally like what we're doing, are excited about it. You know, we've experienced some red tape, which I think any um newly forming organization will have. So that's that's really the only type of opposition we've been dealing with.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, in the early days, a mm-hmm. lot of people had a lot of opposition to fight. So if people are in favor of, you know, of the basic harm reduction interventions like clean needles, the condom, dist- condom distribution, that's a good thing. Mhm. Yeah,
1: you know, people, I think once people find out about what's going on, how when they learn that, you know, these things are effective, that they're working, that it's it's costing them less money in the long term they're they're very open to it, and they want to hear more
0: oh right um well I think we're coming to the close of the questions i have what are your what are your plans for the future
1: uh just again, like I was saying um to kind of expand and sustain our reach. We're really trying to recruit uh, new members from universities and programs throughout Baltimore to expand past Johns Hopkins, past UMD. So if anyone is listening from any other school or program, you don't have to be a student. Um, You don't even have to be a recent graduate to get involved. Our meetings are every other Tuesday. They're, They're open to the public. We also have a listserv. If you, if you visit our Facebook page, it's just facebook.com slash B S H R C that will link you up to our listserv. We we post um event notices and meeting notices there. Um so just really continuing to evolve, uh forming an advisory board, applying for some more grants, just just all the type of things that um community organizations do when they're in their first few years
0: (laughs) well you could (laughs) could, uh, possibly be a model for a national organization eventually a national student organization
1: yeah you know that would be that would be wonderful you know to go that way but also on the smaller scale you know there is the the national harm reduction coalition you know they lead these trainings but but sometimes the it's easier to do work if you focus on a local level because every city and every town is is dealing with its own issues that has a different background you know you know the united states is very diverse and so if if students or community members can can form these coalitions in all different cities you know we think that would be great too
0: well that's often what you have to do is you you work with what is working right now, and, you know, you concentrate on the things that you, that are moving ahead. Right. And yeah,
1: you know, and that's, we're trying to do what you said, um, any positive change, right? <laughs> hmm
0: exactly. Well, we're going to close up pretty soon, so what, what would you like to leave us with this evening?
1: Oh, gee, <laughs> that's a good question. Um just, you know, for people to, if if you work in the substance use field or with sex workers or homelessness, poverty, to just consider harm reduction principles as another tactic that can be used, that's effective, and that, you know, you can use your voice and make a difference. You can join advocacy campaigns, whether it's in Baltimore or in your own community or things that are going on um, in the on the nation level or internationally, you know, go vote um, and visit our Facebook page and, you know, email us, talk to us. You know, we love to hear from everyone. and We, we really think we, there's so many people out there we can learn from, and we just want to be connected, and we, we just want to um, try to make a difference.
0: Well, thank you very much for being our guest this evening, Jennifer Kirshner.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much, Ken. Have a good evening.
0: Okay, well, I'll see you in Portland.
1: Right, see you in Portland.
0: And everyone, come back next week. Um, Our guests will be the authors of The Drinking Diaries, which uh, was a blog that became a book. It's a bestseller on Amazon. Now it's stories about women's relationship to alcohol. It should be a really interesting show, so I'll see you all next week.